Let's just pray together. Lord, we are so grateful for moments like this when we can really worship you and we can lift our voice and we can say these words and we can sing these words from our heart. We trust you. We trust you on this night. Lord, I just pray that you will be close to those who are really hurting tonight, that you will be the best friend that they've ever known, that you will touch those who have financial needs, issues that are emotional and, and scary and challenging, family stuff, marriage stuff, kids stuff. God, just, just wrap us up in your arms tonight and let us feel your love. We thank you. We thank you and we bless you. In your name, amen. Amen. It's so great to see you. Why don't you say hi to two or three people, and uh, then you can be seated. But, uh, I haven't had a chance to welcome you yet this year. Welcome to Timberline, and uh, thanks for being here. If you are a guest with us, we especially want to say thanks for coming and being here. There's a connection card right in the chair back in front of you. We'd love to have you fill it out, drop it in the offering at the end, and we won't bug you or call you or anything like that, but we'd love to have a record of you being here. Also, if you check the boxes on the back, we will email you the stuff you're asking for, information, different ministries here at Timberline. Let us do that. Hey, make sure you read through the bulletin. There's so much. I don't know if you noticed how much is going on around here. I was tired when I looked at this. I was just like, wow. But, you know, it's a sign of so many of you being involved in ministry. And I think there's like 14 tables in the mall this weekend, all kinds of stuff going on. So please read through that. And uh, Danny has a table with some of his music out there at table two. A lot of other good stuff as well. Um, so we really appreciate you being aware of all of that. Hey, one thing that, um, that I want to just really highlight is... Uh, What's happening starting this Wednesday night, we, we start our midweek services up again with kids and uh, young people and uh, all the rest of us. It's going to be an exciting time. We are doing a study on the seven churches of Revelation. So a lot of you are really interested in that, and uh, we decided we would really tackle that. And so we hope you can be here at 7 o'clock from 7 to 8. Okay, we've shortened it a little bit, try to get those of you with kids home. But that starts this Wednesday night uh, right here in this room. So don't miss that. We'll have a really, a really great time. God bless you guys. All right, enough of all that. How many of you are off to a good start this year? Okay, few of you. How many of you it's already tanked? It's just over. <laughs> I, I hope it gets better for you, all right? I really do. It is, it's fun to kind of go into a new year and think about goals and perspectives, and I try to do some reflection and some planning, and I do, I do try to make a few resolutions and, and live up to them and set some goals. I think it's a great time to start and plan and get after some things you've been wanting to do for a while, so I hope you can, you can do that. I want to just read to you a statement that we have said will be a statement with us for hopefully many years to come here at Timberline. We have been saying let love live for many years and we will continue to say that, but we decided to expand that into a sentence that basically says why Timberline Church exists. Now on a weekend like this, kind of the first full weekend coming into uh, the year, I think it's important for me to share my heart and where I think we're going as a church some reflections, some ideas, some concepts. And so take your bulletin out, go to the back page and follow along. But here's the, here's the statement that applies to Timberline. Timberline Church exists to lead people into a transforming relationship with Jesus. It's short, it's easy to say, 
I hope you can put it to memory as we'll be talking about it for the next few weeks and years. But we're kicking off this series uh, this weekend called Fine Tune. Now, when I think about fine tuning, I, I actually put it in your, in your notes right there. It says the first thing, write down a word or two that comes to mind when you hear the words fine tune. Fine tune. I want you to do that right now. Just take a minute. And if you don't want to write it down, at least think about it. What are a couple of words that come to mind when I say fine tune? How many of you wrote the word piano? Okay. How about a, a, another instrument? Okay, a few of you. Anyone write orchestra? Okay. How about bodybuilder? Yeah, a few of you did. Um, athlete. Okay. Um, have anybody write the word radio? Aha. Now, see, this gets fun because, because I bought a 53 Plymouth when I was a teenager from a guy by the name of Steve Harris. <laughs> Steve is one of our pastors here at Timberline. And he paid $80 for it, and I bought it for 100 <laughs> I sold it for 150 But it was a great car. I drove it to school. It was a stick shift on the column. I don't even know if they make those anymore. Does anybody know what I'm talking about in the column? And, and this car... This car had a push-button manual radio, which I think is the only car I ever owned that had that. Some of you are too young to even remember the days before digital, right? Some of you young people, young adults, you don't even know what I'm talking about right now. So listen carefully. It was cool because there was this big radio, and it had this orange bar that went across the top and you would push one of these buttons with about three fingers because they were hard to push. Anybody remember that? And it kind of went <laughs> try that with me. <laughs> and what would happen is you would push that in and this orange dial would like slide way down here somewhere. Then you could slide it back up. And what it was doing, it was giving you the general area to find music in the radio station you were choosing. And then over here, at least on, on my 53 Plymouth, it was this knob right here that was called the fine-tune knob. And you would kaboom it over to the general area, and then it would be statically, staticky, but you could still hear some music. And then you would get the fine-tune knob, and you would start tweaking it, and boom, you could get it perfect. And it would just barely move that orange needle. See, here's why I'm using this illustration. I believe there are many people... There are many people in our world today who kind of get the kaboom right and they get to the general area of their purpose, their passions, their values, but they still live with a lot of static. It's still blurry. The vision isn't clear. They're not focused. They're not really getting it done in a way that brings satisfaction to them or to God. And when we, when we live in a general realm, I think it's God's job to fine-tune us so we can absolutely hear the music and absolutely hear the voice of God to do the purposes of God in our lives. I have a couple pictures I want to put up. It's actually one picture with several pictures of athletes on it. Let's throw that picture up there because this picture is a, is a great picture of several different types of athletes. When I see a, the feet in the, those track blocks, they're getting ready to be a, a race. 
When I, when I see that skater over here ready in that position, here's the question I want to ask you about any of these uh, athletes. What do you suppose happened before this moment? Hard work, practice. How many of you would even say, for some of these photos, years? Would lifetime be okay for some of those? Yeah, I think it would. And, and, and sometimes we are really good at stepping in and watching something happen in a moment of glory, but we forget what took place all the years before that moment. And I want us to be a church that pays attention to all that work and all that load and all that detail as we lead up to the things that are big in vision for Timberline in this coming year. Now, I have, I think, three or four things in your outline and then a little quick list at the end. But I want to just dive in here. Number one in your outline is this. Let's be fine-tuned to the people around us. Can we be people who will have awareness of our environments? Now, many of you are in different environments. I mean, the diversity in Timberline is massive. From where we work to our age groups to all of that. And so I just want to encourage you to really pay attention because you're serving people that I will never meet. Your world is filled up with stuff I'm not around. And that's the case for all of us. And so how can we be fully fine-tuned to the people who are around us? 1 Corinthians chapter 9, if you have a Bible and want to open it, I would invite you to do so. I'm going to read several verses from this chapter, and it's Paul making a statement about how he lives his life when he's around different groups of people. And it's a challenging passage because if you don't understand it, and I'll explain it in a moment, it almost sounds like Paul is wishy-washy. Like, does he even have conviction? Does he lose his character? Why is he saying this? Verse 19 of 1 Corinthians 9. Even though I am a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those following the Jewish law, I too lived under that law. Even though I'm not subject to that law, I did so. I did this so I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. When I am with those Gentiles who do not follow Jewish law, I too live apart from that law so I can bring them to Christ but I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. When I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness. For I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessing. Is Paul like a hypocrite? Is he, he's becoming this with this group. He's becoming this with this group. What is he saying? First, we have to realize he's not talking about sin. It doesn't say, I get drunk with those who get drunk. <laughs> right? Aren't you glad? So can't use that one. All right? Um, he's not talking about partaking of something that's sinful. But he is talking about identifying with people groups and understanding their world and giving himself, himself even to the issues they hold sacred. Now that's, that's a challenge. That's tough to do. But if we're going to be fine-tuned to the people around us, we're going to have to value people where they are. 
And you guys, that is a huge DNA piece for Timberline. It always has been. But valuing people where they are before they even know God and getting into their life and getting into their world and not being afraid, what does it mean to find common ground with others who don't even share your views? You know, we've been saying for several years now a little phrase that's captured my heart, and I think of it often, and I know we're trying to live this as a church, and it's the phrase, when you walk into a room, does your attitude say, here I am, or does it say, there you are? There's a huge difference between those two. And I personally believe that leaders who are here I am leaders build ministries that are here we are ministries. Come and see. But I think God's put something in Timberline that says, let's be a there you are church. Let's be a church and a people group that say, we see your need. We understand your pain. We want to know you. We want to be in your life. We're not afraid of your history because we all have history and we're all in a journey. And let's do the best we can to live fine-tuned. I I love what happened at the bridge this year. Some of you, I'll just share a couple highlights. The bridge is three nights in a row in which we ministered to families who have some great needs and wonderful families. And uh, matter of fact, through Adopt-A-Family this year, we, we served about 900 families. And on bridge nights, over those three nights, this is your generosity. This is you at work loving people because you were fine-tuned. You listened. You sacrificed. We had over 1,000 people in our South Auditorium over those three nights in kind of a bilingual setting, which was beautiful. We partnered with another church in town, a bilingual church, and, uh, and, and we partnered together, and over 400 volunteers from Timberline were involved to make this happen. When I look at that, I'm hearing and seeing, and being a part of that made me realize you are, there you are people. You've fulfilled that. You've done that. It's one of our biggest seasons. And I I love the fact that God's calling us to be a there you are church, even even more than we ever have been. Number two, let's be fine-tuned to all that is before us. Now, Our motivation is different because of Christ in our lives. And so I'm going to read what Paul goes on to say right after he said what he just said. And I want you to think about this in the context of eternity and what we do. Verse 24, don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. We do it for an eternal prize. If we could get that, if we could get our head and heart around that. See, we are working for the purposes of eternity. This is not just a cute phrase. This is a reality. And when we work for the purposes of eternity, what we do really matters. And to live fine-tuned so we don't miss a moment that God is calling us to both individually and corporately as a church. Will we walk in the will of God? Will we be able to do the stuff that God has called us to do? And I promise you, it's not always easy. I have, I have one of my greatest victories personally in ministry was seeing the church in Windsor planted and, and kicked off because it's taken us 10 years We have talked about planning a church in Windsor for 10 years. I went back in my notes, 
in our board meetings, and we, we thought that's a great place, and we just couldn't get the right deal, and we just patiently kept praying, is this the year? And then we thought in 2006 that this is the right plan, and then the economy starts to go crazy. How many of you know there's an economy problem in our world right now? And, and so that, that was a huge challenge. We needed to use a lot of wisdom as a church financially to not ask people, to, and you guys, you stepped up. And, and it's just amazing what it's done. And I got to just tell you, um, we opened that church on Christmas Eve in three candlelight services. They had over 1,300 people. It's incredible. And I, yeah, I thank God for that. It's, it's to him. Amazing. People, people catching that vision. And you guys in Windsor, thank you. It's just, it's a powerful thing that's, that's happened. They had last weekend over 80 kids in their children's ministry area. It's like the church is too small. <laughs> so we're talking multiple services already. I mean, it's just, it's just a crazy thing that has happened. Why? Some of you, so many of you, you're sacrificing now. You're still giving to make that happen. That's why it's so fulfilling to me because it's not easy, and that wasn't easy, and it was hard to get there, and it was hard to finish, and it was a challenge, and yet we stayed focused we just kept pushing it. We said, let's do this. Number three in your outline, let's be fine-tuned in our disciplines. And this leads right into some thoughts that I have to share with you about our year. Our disciplines matter. So verse 26, I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing, okay? He's saying this isn't meaningless. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it training it to do what it should. I love that line. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. I love the line. I put it in quotes in my notes. Training it, meaning his body. Training it to do what it should do. <laughs> How many of you wish you had a body that would do what it's supposed to do? <laughs> See? It's just an amazing statement. He's saying, I, I, I discipline myself so that this body will do what it's supposed to do. And, and that's a challenge. I have... I wrote down, this was more for me. I didn't know that I would actually be putting this in my notes, but I added it actually today because I, I want to share it with you. These are three things that are in my personal list of things that I'm focusing on. There are three focuses for me for this year. Uh, I have more than three, but these are the three I'm going to share, okay? And you can write these down. They're not on the notes or not on the screens or anything, or you can just think about them with me. I should win the battles that take place in my mind. That's, that's one of the first things to discipline that creates a winner. And, and I, I'm telling you, if you can learn to win the battles that go on in your mind, you will be a winner and you will have success in what you do. That applies spiritually and it applies physically. The second one is I should win battles that take place in my relationships. I'm going to have to fight for my marriage this, this year because that's what, that's what marriage is. It's, I have a great marriage, but I still have to fight for it because we don't have a dog yet. And, and so I'm, I'm, I'm fighting for, there's history with that line. If you're new to Timberline, I'm not going to explain it. Um, I have to win those battles with my kids, with the people I work with. We have the greatest staff in all the world, as far as I'm concerned at Timberline. I love the people I work with, but I'm going to fight for those relationships this year. You're going to have to fight for some relationships. You're going to have to say, I'm winning this battle. Number three is I should win battles that take place in my behavior. There's some behavior changes that I'm making this year. There's some things I want to do differently. And, and I want to challenge you not to be afraid to think about what are those behaviors that God can help you. And that goes along with the first one, the mind. Because if you're winning the battle in your mind, your behaviors are going to change. 
But if I focus on these things, we as a church need to win these battles too. We need to win in our relationships. You're going to get ticked off at somebody this year at Timberline. Something's going to happen and you're going to be disillusioned and you're going to be disappointed and there's going to be something you think and you need to talk to someone and you should talk to someone. But that's just how it is when you navigate life with other people. That's the body of Christ. We come together and we serve our world together from unified arm in arm, even if we are very different from each other. I, I, love, I love the story of, I think it was called the tortoise and the hare, which as a kid, I hated that title. I thought, why don't they just call it the turtle and the rabbit? <laughs> Remember the story? And, and the rabbit takes off going fast and the turtle... He's trying, and he just can't quite keep up, and the rabbit stops because he's tired because he's been running. He's way ahead, and he's dinking around in the pasture, and all of a sudden, here comes the turtle, plodding, plodding. And then the bunny's behind, so the bunny takes off running, and he gets tired again. And you know the story. I feel like, I feel like we have been a church that have, has, has, we have paced ourselves to a place that we are just continually trying to take new ground for the kingdom of God. And we're in the trenches, and it's dirty down here, and it's hard, and sometimes we get stepped on, and we don't like it, and it doesn't smell right, and it doesn't feel right, but we just keep on going. And it's one more step, and it's one more step, and it's one more vision to reach our city. It's just a little more vision to take a hold of what we couldn't do before. And I think we have a year ahead of us where God's going to surprise us with doors that open we cannot open. And it's going to be amazing to watch, and we're going to keep plotting. I, I, one of the greatest examples in our church right now of plotting is You Count Campaign and this whole anti-human trafficking thing that, that you guys have just stepped up to support in such a huge way. We had the privilege of going to Kokata in 2011. And by the way, three weekends from now, the last weekend of January, our whole service is going to be built around that. You're going to see video footage and photos. Don't miss that weekend because you are there. You, are, you made it happen. We dedicated the home of hope that you guys built. It's 25,000 square feet. It's unbelievable. You won't believe it when you see the pictures. You bought so many products that these girls made. Just Christmas festival alone, over $10,000 worth of products. You guys like to shop, don't you? <laughs> it's, it's powerful because behind every one of those products is a girl. A girl whose life is changed because of you. And, and it's plotting. It's been four years that we have been taking offerings. We have been trying to get land. We've been trying to go through legal issues over there, people on the ground there. And we just keep plotting. You just keep giving. We just keep selling product. We just keep showing up. And I, I love what's happening in that sense. Let's be people like that. We must stay focused this year and positive this year because so many things in our world are wrong. Think about this. Churches are declining. People don't give a rip about God. They don't fear God. I've read some polls just in the last couple weeks that are frightening to me about this great nation. I'm not giving up on this nation, but I'll tell you, I'm glad God's not giving up on anybody because we need him now more than ever. I want you to watch a video it's just a minute long, I think, or two at the most. It's a short video, but watch it carefully and closely because it's powerful. And then I want to have some reflections in these last five thoughts. 
saying. I wrote a saying, but in different words. Thanks, love. think makes you think doesn't it I think it means so much to me to be a part of a place like Timberline where you're not afraid to change the words and you're not afraid to think out of the box and you're not afraid to take risks and you're willing to try to reach our world when so many have given up. It's the starfish story all over again. But listen, one matters to God. One matters to God. These five last things are quick, and I'm just gonna say them quickly. Jot them down and think about them. This would be one of those things that you might wanna just post on your wall for the next week or so and think about them. The practical ways to do everything that I'm talking about here this weekend. Number one, start small. It's amazing to me how many people have the biggest dreams ever going into a new year and they are destined to fail. <laughs> you can't do everything you've dreamed about in your whole life this year. You know what I mean? So think small and start small. Keep it simple. Number two, and you've heard this before, stop trying, start training. The first time I heard this was from Pastor Rob when he was teaching, and I don't know where he got it. He said he got it from somewhere, but I always credit him with it because it so impacted me because I could try to run a marathon tomorrow in under three hours. <laughs> Would you put money on that? <laughs> I could try, and sometimes we're big as people to say, oh, just try, just try. Well, I, I wouldn't be able to do it, but I could train to do it and probably do it. And that's the difference is stop trying and start training and put your hand to it and your heart and your mind to it. Number three, be more vulnerable. This is a year when, when I think in order to fine-tune your life, your mind, you're going to have to be more vulnerable. You're going to have to say things you haven't said. If you're going to work on your marriage, you're going to be really honest but kind. If you're going to work on relationships that are broken in your life, you're going to have to find ways to be vulnerable and know how to admit things about your own life that are tough for you right now. Be more vulnerable. Less on the edge, less sarcastic, less angst. We're in a world that's filled up with angst and anger and frustration. Let's be the fine-tuned people that somehow sit back and say, I don't have to live angry and I can live vulnerable. Number four, never stop learning. I think this is a really important mindset. It's, a, it's the concept, it's the willingness to breathe life in and to say, I wanna be a learner whether that's formal education or just real life stuff going on in your world right now. Be a learner. Make a commitment to that. And then number five, and this is a challenging one, and I want to close with this one. Have more discussions with people who do not share your view. You know what happens to us sometimes is we like being around people we're comfortable with because we like to be comfortable it's human nature. I fall into that same thing as well. And I've, I've been in environments I'm not very comfortable in. And I, I know when to leave the party, okay? 
And it's important that you, you get it right. And I'm not saying that you, you go anywhere, everywhere, but, but who's in your life that doesn't share your view that you love and care about? Who have you had meaningful conversations with that changed how you're thinking and challenged how you're thinking? Because if we're not careful, we just put more padding around us, more padding, more padding. And then we can't feel the world. We can't feel we're insulated from anybody who has a different point of view than us. We watch certain news broadcasts. We have certain heroes. We listen to certain people. And we don't let anyone else even speak into our life. Paul said it well when he said, look, I'm hanging around a lot of different kinds of people from the strictest Jew to the loosest Gentile. And I'm becoming like them. And I'm understanding their values that I might reach them. You know how we're going to reach people? By loving them. <laughs> you know how we're going to love them? by knowing them, by knowing them. And if we don't know them, we're not gonna have a shot. We're not in a culture that likes people banging on your door and telling you about Jesus. How many of you understand that? We're in a culture that it might take two to three years to develop a relationship with someone till they trust you and they trust your integrity and your character. And when the crisis comes to their life, guess who they're gonna call? You because they know you and they know you love them and you believe in them. That's what Jesus did and it changed the world. It's why we're here on this day. It's why we're here. I want you to bow your head and pray with me. Let's pray together. Lord, we need to learn how to love without judgment, without strings attached. And I thank you. I thank you for this opportunity to be fully alive on this day and to embrace what Paul said and to be a part of a church that is embracing that in 2012. God, thank you for all the victories, all the great stuff that happened in 2011, the challenges that we learned from. And we know this is a new year ahead of us. We need some fine tuning. We really do. With heads bowed, you guys, I know what happens in an environment like this. I, I can say a lot of words, but those words don't mean one stinking thing if the Holy Spirit doesn't inspire them and deposit them somewhere in your mind and heart that makes them live. The Word of God does not come back void. And I've, I've, I just, I've prayed this week that you would be challenged by this passage and that you would be open to even starting your vulnerability right now. And I want to pray for those of you who would say, I, I want to be fine-tuned. I'm not, and I want to be. I'm, I'm in the general area, but I still hear a lot of static. And I want to be fine-tuned in my passion, in my purpose, and the stuff God's called me to. And it doesn't mean it's easier. It might even mean it's more difficult. But you'd let me pray with you right now to say, I know I'm not fine-tuned like God wants me to be. And I'm, 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 I'm going to lift my hand to say that's what I want for this year. Would you hold your hand, please? God, you see our hearts, our hands, our minds. And we just agree together that you will help us to be fine-tuned this year, that it will start tonight, that we'll take a deeper look at our habits, our lifestyles, and we'll pay attention to stuff that maybe we've never even paid attention to before. We trust you. We thank you for the great things that fine-tuning will bring into our lives. Secondly, some of you might just be here saying, I need God. I just need God. And I don't know your story. I don't know your history. 
and why you're here on this Saturday, I don't know. I just know that you're here and you're saying, I need God. It could be in a situation, a relationship, but if you want to raise your hand to say, I need God tonight, would you do that now, please? Thank you. Lord, thank you for people who just need to breathe that out. I need you. I need you. Whether it's forgiveness of sin or help or health, I just pray with them, Lord, that they will trust you with this situation. And if they're coming to you for the first time, let them just pray in faith. Lord, forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me. I believe you died on that cross for me and rose from that grave. And I give you my future. Last one, are you ready for the challenge? I want and need to expand my friendships to others that may not share my convictions. Raise your hand if you want to say that and proclaim that. Lord, you know, that's all of us in a sense. We just say, show us how. Show us how. Father, I just pray that we will be wise in this, that we will not target people in this, but that we will let relationships happen naturally. Those we work with that we would normally shut out or walk away from, show us how to talk with them. Show us how to ask them questions. Show us how to listen with care, even when we disagree passionately. Give us that kind of patient heart and mind that we might reach some, <laughs> that we might reach some, Lord, we thank you for this. We trust you fully. We believe that you're the difference maker. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Wow. Love. Isn't that fun? He just made a CD as far as I'm concerned. Hey, stand with me if you're able. Let's have a prayer before we get out of here. You guys, our prayer team is going to be up here to pray with any of you. You might just have a need that you want to talk with someone about or just have it be prayed over. Lots of tables in the mall. Table two is Danny and lots of other stuff going on. But uh, don't neglect prayer if you feel like that's what you're supposed to do tonight. Other than that, I just want to challenge you with these final thoughts. I've been saying for the last few months, the service starts now when we wrap up. And it's a really true statement. And I want us to take that to heart this year. So let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for filling us up for the opportunity to come and gather like this, like your word tells us to gather together. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. So church is important. And thank you for faithfulness. Help us to make a commitment to that. But as we walk out of here and we walk away from buildings like this, help us to know that that's when it matters most that we're on, that you have a, a mission and that there is a voice called the voice of God that can bring clarity to this messy world and that we can be fine-tuned to that voice. In your mighty name we pray that. Amen. God bless you. Have a great rest of your night. Thanks for being at Timberline. <laughs>